Good morning and welcome to the Completely Unnecessary Skeptical Podcast. I'm Nathan and joining me today is Craig. Hello. And Susie. Hello. You guys always sound unprepared whenever I say that. You know what's coming, right? <laughs> well, we, we don't know huge... what order you're going to say it in. I this nearly always do it in the exact same order. Well, why do I come first? Why not Susie? It's alphabetical. Okay. <laughs> why do you come first then? Because it's my podcast. <laughs> I'm more important than everybody else, basically, that, is what I'm saying. That <laughs> sounds like a challenge, doesn't it, Craig? Well, vote, it Nathan, does. vote Nathan yeah. out and take over. Knock yourselves out. <laughs> you can have all the technical issues and running the websites and uploading and editing. Yeah, yeah, good. Okay, sure, good. right. Yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> so uh, we have some notice board items or a notice board item. The Day of Reckoning. Susie, tell me what you've seen more about this than I have. <laughs> oh, I, so I saw a uh, um, yeah mention of this Day of Reckoning conference. Uh, there's one happening in Auckland in August and then also I think in Sydney. And it's basically a bunch of... Um, bunch of dudes i saw the list and it's a bunch of famous uh kind of atheist dudes who are coming um sam harris is one I'm of them uh yeah and uh it just kind of made me sad again because it's like oh yay a bunch of dudes are coming but apparently it's like 500 bucks it's what? a ticket no it is who's a... gonna pay that money who the fuck it, it, I'm it, I mean, it is interesting though when you try and go and buy a ticket you're prompted to enter a password i just saw that you're into Gender password. So it doesn't. Yeah, so actually... I think you have to. Oh. I think you have to sign up to their mailing list or something first, and well, then uh, through of, that. Um, yeah, it's all sorts mm. of um, intrigue. Maybe it's a scam just to get people's emails yeah. and contact details, and then they're going to be sold. Maybe <laughs> it does seem to be very expensive. If if that's the price, <laughs> just but to then I suppose. I suppose if you if you said okay, well, um, a Richard Dawkins event was something like one hundred and fifty bucks. And that was just a couple of hours, whereas this is a whole day. Yeah. Then maybe you might be able to say that that might be justified. But even so, I mean, I certainly wouldn't pay that sort of money to go and see. Well, I certainly wouldn't go want to go and see Sam Harris for a start. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, there are, it's out there. If anyone's got more money than cents and wants to go and see those people <laughs> talking, uh, I just love to know. You know. Uh, August, August. Yeah. at the Civic. Mm. It will be interesting to see what sort of a turnout they get. Yeah. I assume that they've... It will certainly put a lot of people off at that sort of I price. I assume they've done some sort of market mm. research and they think that they can actually run the conference selling tickets at that for that sort of money. I think they're going to get enough people. Who knows? Who knows? I don't know anything about who these people are who are organising it. So it's the Pangborn... Uh, philosophy, uh, which is some okay. dude called Pangborn. Um, where did I see? I saw some stuff. They've got they've got a kind of a bunch of. Um, let's have a look. Hang on. Uh, home about us. Here we go about us. So is it just some dude? I assumed it was like an organisation. Well, it, it is an organisation. They have a, a okay. bunch of team members, most of whom are men, um, including Adam, who's a talent buyer. Interesting. Their little um, blurb is uh, says, we promote art and science in the community. We do this by finding ways to inspire groups, businesses, communities, and individuals with artistic and scientific experiences. 
I'm not sure that's what people are going to be getting if they spend five hundred dollars to go and see people at the Civic. But there you go. Huh. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, they also well, have a security coordinator. Nice, David. Exciting. This looks like a, um, a semi-international company as well. It's not a New Zealand organization. Penguinphilosophy.com. Yeah, and they did a Back to the Hunty World hmm. tour as well, apparently as well, or are doing. Seems to be the possibly the two are doing big yes, things that they're doing up. right now. But he's not doing mm. a world tour because he's not coming to New Zealand again. Mm. <laughs> a world tour which involves Canada mm. and the USA. <laughs> yeah, right. all right. And the other event, it's, which looks like it might be more affordable and more interesting, is the Definitely Humanist International Congress 2018 in Auckland. 3rd and 4th of August. Yes, it's a, it's a two-day event and it's um, the full... Full price tickets are one hundred and fifty three dollars. Yeah, I think. goes up to two hundred and fifty on the uh, in the one twenty to two fifty. Well, I think you if want. you actually, yeah, I think if you were going to go along to the dinner as yeah. well, um, then it would cost you two hundred and fifty dollars. So half the price, um, twice the number of days. Yes. Well, or you could just stand outside on the street for no money for as long as you like. Yeah. <laughs> There's something you'd want to do, is it? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, if you're not going to go, I'm just saying you can't. You don't. You can't necessarily judge value uh, solely on price and uh, amount of time that you I see. see. Anyway, and I can't see anything here about who's speaking or anything. Oh, well, no, there is actually there is actually a um, a oh. website now. If you'll permit me to um, do some typing, <gasps> um, <laughs> no. I can I can type quietly. Okay, there we go. I that typed. was quietly, was it? Uh, no, it wasn't actually no. quietly. It was just normal. But but I can type loud if you like. No, no, that's fine. <laughs> um, but when I bring up the website, okay, speakers. Um, uh, Gula Lai is male. Uh, Leo Igui, I'm really going to butcher yeah, no, most that's of fine. these names. Well, keep going. Um, <laughs> Imtiaz Shams, Jackie Clark. Okay, I know Jackie Clark. Uh, she's one of the aunties. Yes. Um, Catherine Lowe. Catherine Lowe. Uh, she has spoken at uh, a conference in New Zealand, New Zealand Skeptics Conference on altruism. Uh, Andrew Copson, um, Joseph Bulbia, who was um, at last year's New Zealand Skeptics Conference, and more to be announced. Um, so, yeah, so the, the concession rate is $120, the conference is $155, and gala dinner is $95. Cool. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Fantastic. And, of course, um, there is a Skeptics Conference coming up later in the year, although you'd never know it. Why would you never know <laughs> well, it? Well, is it not on our, it's not on our notice board? Have we got dates, speakers, anything? <laughs> Well, nothing's absolutely definite. I see. Yet, but I think it, it is many months away. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. Um, okay. Um, how, how many months, Craig? Oh, God. Let me count on my fingers. <laughs> seven, seven months away. That's not that far away. Uh, what if well, you want to start okay. booking things and organizing people and flights and 
Sure. Yeah. Okay, we'll have an update for you next month. How's that? It's definitely, fantastic. Definitely. Is that a cusp promise to yes. come back and talk about something again in the future? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So moving on to news, we have quite a few today. So let's get on with it. Uh, monkey selfie case. Craig, tell us why a monkey does not own the copyright. Yeah. yeah well, this was a this was a very interesting case. Um, so. Back in 2011, um, there was a wildlife photographer who was out in the wildlife um, taking photos, and he um, happened to wander away from his camera um, for a little while, as one does. This was in Indonesia, and um, a macaque monkey happened to wander up to his camera and managed to press the uh, shutter button and take a selfie. And so um, this went. This image went around the world. It was a very popular image. You may well have seen it. It basically is a picture of this macaque monkey sort of smiling into the camera. Uh, and so it was kind of the first selfie that was taken by uh, yeah. a monkey. <laughs> and um, and so it was you know very very popular. And anyway, so then. Um, PETA, the um, organization, who are they? What do they um, stand for? The, people um, Ethical Treatment Animal. People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. Quote, unquote. Um, took a lawsuit against the photographer saying that the monkey should actually own the copyright on the How photo because they took the photo, they took the selfie. And um, so anyway, this, this went to court and... Um, it has now been decided that, in fact, the um, monkey does not own the copyright. Uh, the monkey cannot own the copyright. Um, it was taken... Um, Peter actually dropped the case when the uh, photographer agreed to donate 25% of any revenue he received from the um, photo to, uh, to, to Peter. Uh, basically, no, no. Well, oh, not, not necessarily to Peter, but to charities that protect the habitat. Oh, as long as it's monkeys. not Peter, okay. Um, yeah, but but then, um, so the California Appeals Court um, d- decided on this uh, that that in fact, um, no, the, the monkeys cannot have or <laughs> copyright on photos. Um, so yeah, it's quite interesting. It's um, uh, from the photographer's perspective, what he actually argued was that he should have the copyright anyway because he had set up the camera, he had done all the technical work and getting everything set up, uh, and it was just the monkey happened to come along and press the shutter right. button and so actually sort of take the photo, but but he did all the work and actually getting it all set up and so on. It's not like the monkey actually had to adjust the focus and the aperture and, and all exposure and all that sort of stuff in order to get the photo. And was that the, was that the ruling? Is that why the courts said no? Or Well, I think, yeah. I, I mean, I'm very much, you know, fuck Peter and everything they stand for, but it is an interesting question, and I'm interested in how the mm. court, you know, what decision they came for, came to and how they came to it. Um, it seems like a very interesting question that could have implications for other things in the future. Well, indeed, yes. Yeah. So I, I think possibly um, there was some interest by the state that um, 
this might open a big can yeah. of worms if um, if you were able and to if you did open a can of worms, would those worms own the copyright <laughs> to something? I don't know. No, because I think they would be the subject rather than they weren't doing the, the opening of the can. Themselves. They're trapped in a can. Have they been detained <laughs> illegally against their will? I think, yeah, you probably, I think you'll find though that most canned worms are already dead, aren't they? I honestly don't know what canned worms are or what they would be for. <laughs> I might have okay. to Google that. Well, uh, we'll check that anyway. But I, I think it is an interesting yeah. case. Okay, cool. Interesting to see that the um, apparently what the court said was that the uh, what the monkey was basically being used um, by Petter as kind of a pawn in there. Yes. Thing. So they weren't actually yeah, yeah to further their, their goals. Yeah, they yeah. weren't really interested in the in the um, yeah. interest of the monkey. That sounds like Peter to me. Mm. <laughs> okay, uh, Ben Goldacre's latest paper on homeopathy. Yeah, this is so cool. Um, people might already might have heard about this. Um, so I think it was just this last week, Ben Goldacre's group at the University of Oxford have um, released a new paper. And it takes advantage of a really, really cool website that they have developed called Open Prescribing, where they take the data that's published every month by the um, National Health Service in England um, of all the drugs prescribed by GPs. And it's all anonymized, but you can see it's sort of broken down into essentially GP surgery. So you can look at both in a region, but also in a in a particular surgery, what the GPs are prescribing. So is it anonymized? Thing, it's anonymized for patients, patients, but not for the doctors. Yeah, there's no doctors' names, but there's the surgery, and so I guess you can so find the, out the doctors' the, names through that. Yeah, yeah, okay, the branch, the the business, not the actual individual yeah. doctors. Um, the other thing that's really cool about it is that they've come up with a set of measures that uh, they um, essentially have decided are measures of good prescribing. So things like where there are more ex uh, where there are drugs where there's an expensive version, um, but also a cheap version. Does the surgery use the cheap version because it's identical to the expensive version, or do they use the expensive version? So there's a whole bunch of things like that that would be essentially. It does the surgery practice good prescribing um, practice, uh, and <clears throat> it'd be interesting to know right. if that's correlated with the uh, association. Yeah, I don't know whether the they've done that analysis. Anyway, so what they've done is they've looked at they took a six month period between December two thousand and sixteen and May two thousand and seventeen, and then they looked at uh, basically were there any GPs practices that um, prescribed homeopathy during that period, and then. They, and they found some. <laughs> uh, do you, have you read the story? Do you want to take a guess how many they found that prescribed it? Out of how many are we talking? Are we thinking? About uh, well, give us a percentage, Nathan. Uh, yeah, as a percentage. Uh, what do you think? Twelve and a half percent. Okay. I'm going to say five percent. Okay, in the middle, eight and a half percent. They were seven thousand six hundred eighteen um, surgeries that they put in their analysis, and six hundred forty-four met the criteria of having prescribed at least one prescription um, within that six-month period. Of they had, yeah. So, um, like half of those had prescribed just once, um, but they had uh, three practices that had over a hundred prescriptions, and one that had two hundred fifty-two. Which is quite oh, a lot. Um, anyway, homeopathic prescriptions, homeopathic prescriptions. Why? Yeah. Do you even, so, so I guess that's one a, of those kind of. A doctor in that 
and that practice that is a big fan of homeopathy. Yeah, well, I guess it might be one of those sort of uh, integrative ones, you know, holistic ones where they do all sorts of things. Do you even need a prescription Um, for homeopathy? Surely you can just go into the chemist and buy it. Yeah, well, there you go. (laughs) Indeed. What's the point? (laughs) Um, Well... Maybe better placebo, maybe, I guess, if a doctor. Yeah, exactly. Maybe it's a, yeah. Maybe it's a better placebo. Mm. There's nothing wrong with you, in yeah. my opinion, but I'm going to prescribe you some. Well, I must say, when my grandmother was nearing the end of her life, she was having problems with her waterworks, uh, which were essentially completely psychological. And so I did say to my parents, oh, you should just go to Boots and buy some homeopathy and then tell her that, yeah. <laughs> that I've prescribed it for her and see if that helps. Um, yeah, so <laughs> for some things it might be appropriate. Well, that was what I was, gonna, um, I was just going to say. But, is it would be interesting to know why they're prescribing the homeopathy. Um, yeah. so that's a, not known. But yeah, here's the other interesting thing that they did. So they looked at those practices um, and then looked at their – they basically scored them – on uh, this, um, so they, they essentially put together 70 different measures that were this kind of um, measures of uh, best practice prescribing uh, and then looked at how those uh, surgeries that prescribed homeopathy, how did they rank on those measures compared to ones that didn't. And essentially what they found was that the um, the ones that scored the worst were twice as likely to be ones that were prescribing homeopathy. So Uh they were basically ones that were measuring worse on those, on a kind of like a composite score of these 70 measures of, of how uh, almost like how evidence-based the, um, their prescribing Mm -hmm. practices are. And so actually. So that is bad. They're they're worse across the board. Yeah. And so what Ben Goldacre said in his press release was that he thinks this might reflect a kind of lack of respect for evidence-based practice, which is interesting. Interesting. And not very. at all surprising if <laughs> given there is yeah. no evidence base for the use of homeopathy. But it is a little tricky, I think, because as I say, there might be some times when it's actually appropriate to prescribe it, when actually that might be the best uh, outcome for that patient. Mm. Like, for yeah. example, somebody okay. really desperately wants something and rather yeah. than write them a script for antibiotics, you could, um, you know, uh, give, give them something, something useful. Yeah, but, but, but you wouldn't think that that would be biased towards mm-hmm. a particular um, practice. Yeah. So that would that would be sort likely in the noise, maybe. Um, yeah, in the noise across yeah, all the practices. fact that they're that they're bad about about other practices yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. So right. they're probably not the ones that are doing it for valid reasons. Yeah. Anyway, interesting. All right. They're probably vaccine deniers as well. <laughs> that will actually wonder. Yeah, can oh, you I'm going to go and have a look and see if that is one of the things that they – maybe not because so it's not a prescription. A, there's a correlation between whether they're prescribing it, vaccines. It would surprise me if they hadn't looked at that. But um, Okay, you carry on talking. I'm going to go have a look because the really cool thing about this website is you can go and you can have a look and actually look at yep. the data. So I'm going to go and have a look and see if vaccinations are in there. Okay. I will fill in. <laughs> so – Craig. We'll talk amongst ourselves. While how's how's, how's your day been? <laughs> how's oh, your day been, Craig? My day's been pretty good, actually. Uh, good. Yeah. Get some work done around the house. Uh, oh no, I actually did some real work this morning, and um, oh, okay. not not that working around Craig. the house isn't real work, but uh, yeah. I actually did some some of my normal work this morning. Uh, and coding lots of code. Yes, yeah, fixing a couple of bugs. Yeah. Nice. Writing <laughs> some nice. new stuff. 
and I've been working on some lighting cues this afternoon, and um, I've got a I'm doing a doing a lighting gig tomorrow night, so um, cool. came up with a way of um, drastically cutting my rigging time. Um, nice, it's good by building yeah, some some, um, some looms. Okay, yeah, because yeah. you're using more or less the same layout. Yeah, pretty much. So yeah. I've basically got the cables uh, all in the right got place. cables all in the right place, and so basically I can just plug them up rather than having to uh, use individual cables. And yeah, good call. But yes, good call. So, yeah, that's good. Anyway, so Susie, how are you going um, there? I have a table. I have some data, but I don't understand what it means. So I might have to go and look at this. Yeah. They so they definitely have vaccines. Or we might have to move yeah, on. Yeah, we might have to. We you can definitely see vaccines and you can definitely see homeopathic right. preparations, but I don't understand what the action means. So you can analyze that and come back yeah. to this next episode. Come out. Cool. <laughs> okay. So, sure. Craig, tell us about the 20 year old entrepreneurs. Well, so um, I read an interesting article today. So, they had done um, some research uh, into. Um, the age groups that people become entrepreneurs and how successful they are and the sort of widespread myth um, amongst around the world is that um, the people in their 20s are uh, in Silicon Valley and starting up companies and being wildly successful and and um, and and that's the age at which you could should be an entrepreneur. And and as you get older, um, it's less likely that you're going to be successful as an entrepreneur. But in fact, they've actually studied the data, and um, that huh. is completely wrong. Um, it seems that generally it's people into their forties and mid forties who are actually starting companies that are actually successful and growing and 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 so on. Um, so I just thought that was that was actually quite interesting, and so so maybe there's hope for some of us older people yet that we're going to uh, yeah. strike it wildly. That's rich. very exciting. Is it? <laughs> Having just yeah. started a company last year, hey, yes, <laughs> might make me rich. <laughs> well, yes, you're, you're you're still in your your you're in your I 40s, am in my forties. You? you got your bang on. In fact, yes. it's my birthday tomorrow. Oh, happy birthday! I did not know that. Thank you. <laughs> Yes. And I will be in my forties. <laughs> we'll be nice. there. Um, I wonder if it's the the perception is because there's a a lot of young twenty year olds with lots of energy who start a lot of businesses, and because there's more of them, because I don't know they're they're young and stupid, and they think they can do it. That more of them succeed. Yeah, I don't know. I th- I think I think my impression is that. Silicon Valley is actually um, populated yeah. with a lot of young people, but they're not necessarily the people that are that are sort of starting the startups. Um, that they are the the people that yeah. are doing the work in the startups, um, and perhaps they they are um, yeah employed by older people. So the way they found out about this data was they actually looked uh, at a census in the US, um, and they. Um, correlated the uh, employment statuses of of people, and they they took out people who are who are self employed. So self employed is basically where maybe you might um, sort of have a uh, a pizza shop or a dry cleaner or something a little small sort of small business that's not really an entrepreneurial thing. Um, they sort of define entrepreneurship as um, starting a company that is has sort of high hopes of actually growing and, and expanding and 
taking over the world, presumably, in what sort of... Uh, yeah, what you, what you think of as your stereotypical, you know, multi-conglomerate sort of... Yeah, yeah, sort of a dis- disruptive kind of company that's um, going to sort of take over an industry by being different and all that sort of thing. So, yeah. yeah. So I, I did think okay. that was interesting. It's good to uh, good to have your... Assumptions so, uh, I don't know if you already said this, but what are the actual numbers in the end? Do they have some sort of percentage of... How many businesses are started by twenty-year-olds, and how many by forty-year-olds? Well, they've, they've got they've basically got a a, a curve um, showing um, the, the the frequency of um, high-performance startups by age of the entrepreneur, and um, it basically just sort of hits its peak, sort of very late thirties uh, into the forties, and then unfortunately, once you're over fifty, it declines. Yeah, it's it's almost a bell curve. Yeah, it is. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Very, very close. Yeah. Doesn't have the sort of the end tail bits. No. Well, I suppose a very even distribution around the middle there. Yeah. Um, and one of one of the things they said was that like people people who are sort of into their forties have um, a sort of a lot more life history behind them. Um, yeah, more experience yeah, and more knowledge, and more, and more social connections, that sort of thing. So yeah, I can totally buy that. Yeah. Perhaps I should start a business. Right, hope for you yet, Nathan. Yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes. We'll get back to you. <laughs> yeah, you could start a podcasting business. I could. There's lots of money in podcasting. <laughs> Craig, tell me about the books I don't have to read. Well, the premise of this is is that there are a whole bunch of books that are considered by people to be classics that are actually overrated. Good and. So GQ magazine, yes, <laughs> which is obviously a, um, a bastion of um, science. Yeah. <laughs> well, obviously, well done research. For those, for those that don't know, GQ is Gentleman's Quarterly. Um, but they put together a list of books that are considered classics that actually are overrated. And um, so things like um, Catcher in the Rye by J.D. Salinger, um, which is actually about the only book on the list that of the list that I have actually read, and I didn't think it was a bad book, but I, but in the end, I thought, well, actually, I didn't think there was actually really anything too special yep. about it. Um, wait, 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 wait! Have you not read Lord of the Rings? No, I have not read Lord oh, of the Rings. Oh, don't bother! It's, it's dull as dull as dishwater. Dracula by Bram Stoker. No, I have not read Dracula. Oh, okay. I have tried to read The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, but I found it boring. I have read that one, I think. <laughs> Um, and so, anyway, the reason for mentioning this is oh, that one of the books on the list is the Bible. No. Yes. <laughs> and so... I so love, I love a, it. says repetitive, self-contradictory, foolish, and even, and even at times ill-intentioned. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Nice. So so it says it's, in, it's sententious, and I had to look up what sententious actually meant. What um, does it mean? So, do you guys know what that oh, means? Is this, can be oh, I'm so close. I'm so this could have been the word of the day. So, <laughs> teachers means given to moralizing in a pompous or affected I, manner. <laughs> very plausible. plausible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. But anyway, so um, so the good thing about this list is that it gives you a list of books that, that are classics you don't have to read, and then it suggests. Alternatives. That I saw that. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and so the alternative for the Bible is um, the Notebook, 
um, which again is another book I haven't read. Um, but anyway, so I, I think I think if you're going to be um, if you're going to be a committed atheist and you actually want to be able to defend or criticize uh, Christianity, or then you probably it is a good idea to at least have some familiarity with the Bible. Um, and if you're going to criticize Islam, then you probably should have some familiarity with uh, the Quran and and so on. At least a um, a Cliff's Notes version. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. What's the New Zealand equivalent of Cliff's Notes? Do we have a those sort of little little books that summarise what the book's about, so you can do a book <laughs> report without actually having to read it? <laughs> the TLDR <laughs> version of the Bible. Yes. They all die in the end. All right. That's a thing, though, right? I know I've seen this. Well, allow me to type. No, no, don't type. You're too loud. All right. right. Okay. Right. Bible. TLDR. Well, there actually is a cliff notes about the Bible. Nice. <laughs> there are a couple of different ways. Yeah, there are a couple of different versions of this where people have TLDR'd the Bible. Right. Yeah, okay. we'll put some links. Sure. Pathios Very one's good. pretty good. Yeah, so next item after that. Tell me about Uranus, um, Craig. Apparently it smells of farts. Lol. Okay, next item. <laughs> well, we better explain it a little bit. Okay. We are talking about the planet Uranus, and they have recently done some analysis on the clouds of Uranus, and it turns out that they are made up of hydrogen sulfide, which is the gas that gives rotten eggs their unpleasant smell. And quite often that is the gas that gives farts um, their unpleasant smell. Good to know. So there we go. If you go travelling to Uranus, you might want to hold then your you're going to smell farts. Yeah. Very funny. Hilarious. Don't say we don't try and raise the tone of this podcast. Okay, so my only thing that I wanted to bring up was the Ark Encounter. So the Ark Encounter had some pretty big claims when they were trying to get their tax breaks from the town that they are building nearby, Williamstown, Kentucky. Uh, but as of for the most part, until just recently, uh, they had not actually released any of their numbers in terms of how many people have had come through or likewise how much money they're making. Uh, however, last year, uh, the, the uh, town, the city of Williamstown, Kentucky, instituted a surcharge on all quote, ticket-taking attractions in the city uh, that they had to pay 50 cents per ticket as a safety fee to help pay for things like fire trucks and police cars and whatnot. Uh, when this came into the news, uh, Ark Encounter had gone back to them and said that oh, we shouldn't have to pay this fee because we are a religious um, organisation. <laughs> to which the Williamstown, Kentucky lawyers said, oh, fantastic, then you won't be needing all of those tax rebates that you signed up for because you were a non-religious organization or a secular organization. What's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, a normal 
tax-paying organization. Well, they, yeah, they were a yeah, for-profit, for-profit yes, entity. Thank you. Um, no, they, were a tour, they were a tourism yes, business. Uh, at which point, of course, they spun on a dime and said, oh, no, actually, we are a business. And so what that's meant is they have to pay the 50-cent uh, safety fee. Uh, there are apparently two other attractions that the fee applies to. However, Ark Encounter would be the lion's share of the income. So what that means is, even if Ken Ham doesn't want to tell us how many people have come through his, uh, his what do they call it? Theme park. <laughs> Ark Park. Religiously themed attraction, I think is the way you refer to it. That's the way it. he refers to it. We refer to it as, a, as the Ark Park because he doesn't like being thought of as a theme park. Dan Phelps, president of the Kentucky Paleontological Society, has long been a watchdog, blah, 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 um, and he was uh, he submitted a request for information, Public Information Act or whatever it's called over there, and he's got the attendance numbers for the Ark Encounter for July, August, September, and October of last year. In July, they had 142,626 people, in August, they had 106-some-odd people. In September, they had 83,000. And in October, 93,000. Um, what this suggests is that in the summer, they've got pretty good numbers. Um, but then when school is in, and in the middle of winter, uh, the numbers obviously drop dramatically. Shockingly down to 13,000 people in yes. January. Um, wow. Oh, there's the rest of the numbers down there, yes. Deserted. So basically empty. Yeah. This is over the course of yeah. an entire month, obviously. Um, Ken yeah. Ham originally said that he expected about 1.4 to 2.2 million visitors in the second year, which is an average of about 117 visitors a month. 170,000. Which in July... 170,000. What did I say? 117,000 visitors. Uh, in July, he beat that amount. But obviously, as you can see from these numbers, in none of the other months has he come even close to that amount. Uh, so like you say, November 51,000, December 36, yeah. January 13, February 17,000, and in March 62,000. Yeah. And maybe we really don't care how many people come, but he's he's claiming that people are pouring in and... Um, and it's just obviously just not making the numbers that it's very hard to see that um, over time that the numbers are going to increase. No, well, so that's the, that's the issue. So one is that he's been promising thousands upon thousands of visitors, not only to his park, but to the town. Yeah. And even with the, the higher numbers there, the town is people are still saying that they're not getting the numbers they were promised, um, that, you know, hotels and and cafes were just sitting empty but also he's been going on and on this whole time about how great his numbers are and how the place is always packed um, hilariously even though in some of the pictures and videos that he's putting up the place looks like a graveyard pretty much deserted so this is actually more reasonable numbers based on what we've been seeing and what a lot of people were predicting as well which is that essentially this is one of those attractions that you go to and then that's it. Yeah. You don't go back because nothing's changed. They don't have any more information or better exhibits. All they really do is they just move stuff around 
and you know build more animatronics to tell the same story in a slightly different way yep well it'll be interesting to see how long it lasts that's it i mean it's it's an interesting sort of mindset because i can as a an ex-christian i feel like i can kind of um put myself in ken's ham position ken ham's position a little bit because I'm pretty sure he's genuinely convinced that he's doing what God has told him to do. <laughs> Even if it was just his own his own wacky idea, he still thinks that God is in favor of building this ark. And when you're in that sort of mindset, your assumption is that you don't really have to worry about it. It's going to do well. Yes. Because God is on your side, if you follow me. Mm-hmm. So... When people are saying, no, that's not a good idea, uh, Ken, you should probably not do that. You're not going to make the sort of money that you think you're going to make. He's saying, oh, no, this is just Satan trying to tell me not to make my park. So he goes ahead, despite all any advice he might have got. I don't know if he actually did or not, but, um, you know, any actual realistic mm. market research or numbers, if he even did any market research. Well, I think it did, but... Um, it was one of his one of his um, cronies, but but I think right. it's all supported by donations. That the building of it was supported by donations. Oh, absolutely! People and certainly paid. Yeah, people who who wanted to see it built and um, yeah. see it as a vindication of uh, of their of their faith. Indeed. So that's the other question, I suppose: is if he's not making any money. Is it going to collapse and close, or is he going to be able to maintain it uh, based on the numbers he's getting? I wonder how much money he needs to keep it going. Well, they've recently, they've recently changed the, the pricing. Um, yeah, more expensive I, I, I or mean, less expensive? He, oh, well, they've moved things around. I think it's more expensive for individuals, but they've made it cheaper for okay. groups. Um, but I mean, I, I think he he certainly knows how to make money. He's certainly um, he's a religious entrepreneur, and it'd be interesting to know what age it was when he actually <laughs> started the business. <laughs> nice, yeah. To connect our stories together, indeed. Nicely done. So the other article that was in the news recently about the Ark Encounter was um, their hiring practices. Apparently, they're desperate for people to come and work for them. And I don't know know if we've actually talked about this, but everyone probably knows that they have a very, very strict uh, belief statement that people have to sign when they, if they want to work, for the ark. Well, it's not, it's not just beliefs; it's behaviour as well. And so I was getting to that as well. You're not allowed to. You're not allowed to um, have sex outside of marriage. Yeah. And... No gay marriage. No transgender people. Blah 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 blah. Um, so basically, you can only work there if you are not just a Christian, but Ken Ham's specific version of Christianity. Um, however, he posted a video, and this is actually a few weeks old now. This isn't particularly new. Uh, but he posted a video where he was talking about how they're so desperate for employees that seasonal workers, they now have an abridged statement of faith. Uh, so they don't necessarily have to follow all the rules and believe all the things. Um, the way he the way he phrases this is, is quite hilarious. So for seasonals, 
I know there's a lot of young people who still aren't necessarily mature in all their thinking in lots of areas, but if they can sign the tenets of the fundamentals <laughs> of the Christian faith. Now, hang on, hang on, yeah. hang on. Stop, 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 no, stop, I will stop not right stop. There. This is my podcast no. and I'm talking. How dare you use the word tenants <laughs> when did. it's tenants? <gasps> I did not. You did. Oh, God damn it. Let's record the whole thing over from the beginning. <laughs> <Hang on. laughs> That's fine. I can edit it out. I'll just say tenants now. Tenants, tenants, no. tenants, tenants, Sign the tenants of the fundamentals. And I'll edit it in and no one will be any of the wiser. <laughs> sure. We'll just keep bringing it up. Was it tenants anyway, or tenants? So <laughs> Throughout the podcast, that'll be really hard to edit out. <laughs> <laughs> Um, own your mistakes, Nathan. Own your mistakes. I will not. I reject your reality <laughs> and substitute my own. <laughs> you realise this is the comedy gold that we're going yeah, for. Yeah. You're a comedy gold. <laughs> Moving anyway. on. So, uh, American Atheists has fired Woohoo. David Silverman. Uh, yeah, uh, Good news, probably, because he has been accused <laughs> of, guess what, anybody, anybody? <sighs> harassment. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you very, very briefly. So he uh, was accused of harassment, but also, uh, and this yeah. is apparently the, the sort of main reason that he was fired, um, financial, what's the word? I'm going to make sure I get this right so I don't get sued. Irregularities, some sort of malfeasance in the financial area. Basically, I think it was undisclosed conflict. That was of might have been it. Yes. Um, so yeah, the first news came out saying that he'd been um, he'd been put on leave, and then very quickly after that, he was suspended, uh, and then boom, this firebrand atheist was just fired. Uh, financial conflicts and sexual assault. Mm-hmm. So one wonders what they considered to be the well, more serious Well, that's what I'm according, according to the follow-up from the American atheists, the quote-unquote reason was that there was these financial problems. Um, but also they said they were taking the sexual misconduct allegations seriously as well and that they had investigated. But based on a formal audit, the board felt like they had enough evidence to take action. Apparently, there was somebody appointed to a senior position who was in a sexual relationship with him, and there was, they didn't declare a conflict of interest. And she's she's been let go as well, but apparently she was working directly for David Silverman um, as a sort of assistant president or something like that. But I think she was only a volunteer. So. so we'll put the links there if you want to read the whole sordid story, but there you go, there's an atheist organisation that is taking the appropriate action and investigating and taking things seriously, and good for them. As of the last article I read, they don't currently have a president, so I think they're basically just being run by the board of directors until they uh, they do whatever they need to do. Well, it would be good if they got a woman president, wouldn't it? That would be a good idea, yes. Mm. So they seem to be less inclined to um, doing these sorts of stupid, crappy things. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. I don't want to say yes or no to that because I haven't seen any evidence, I don't think. <laughs> Mainly because you haven't seen any women in those positions. Wanna... <laughs> yes, there you go. That's, that's why. Mm. So I don't know what the answer is. I think we just need to burn, burn the planet to the ground, basically. 
solving Fair my enough. problems. Well, we're working on that with um, global warming. <laughs> yes, you're quite right. We certainly are. Let's just, yeah. Okay, so that was all our news items. We do not have an interview this week. Sorry, I haven't got around to talking to anybody. Oh, now what I should have done, actually, instead of an interview, um, under announcements is we now have a new RSS feed for our podcast. So the RSS feed is the little um, website URL address that you type into your podcast program that tells your podcast program where to go to check for new episodes. Isn't this this a little redundant, Nathan, that anybody that's listening to this podcast will have actually picked it up off our new feed? Yes, but I'm going to tell everyone about it anyway, just in case there are people who don't know, need to fix something, or just want to update it. So the old... So you're broadcasting it telepathically as well? Yes, I am. Right. Okay, that's good to know. You obviously picked up on that, so well done. (laughs) That's what the echo was in my head. Yeah. Yeah, I'm hearing it telepathically and via my headphones. Exactly. <laughs> so the old RSS feed will still work because it now points to the new URL. If you wanted to change it, you could probably do so, but you certainly don't need to. Um, also, our old website is gone, and I should probably t- talk about the reason for this. Um, our old website was a very, very old version of the content management system known as Drupal. It was version 6, and current version is about 8. And we were always sort of planning on updating it and uh, maybe jazzing it up a bit and maybe moving it across to my web server. Um, It was being hosted for free by Gold. Thank you, Gold, um, as well, for all your uh, help and efforts over the years and obviously for hosting that for free. Um, But what happened uh, last week is a security update saying that if you have a Drupal website, it is definitely compromised and you should definitely take it offline. So I got an email, a message from Gold saying, uh, bro, your website is offline. Um, do you want to do something else with it while we're there? So that, all right, okay, we'll do some research. We'll find a new place to host everything and uh, and switch everything across. Uh, my first thought was I was going to host the website on my web server, use something else like WordPress. Um, but it turned out that there's a, some really good online options which do the whole thing for you. And they're pretty good and they're not super expensive. So we've switched to something called Pinecast, uh, which is where you will uh, go if you try to go to our website right now. It takes you to just a very budget, basic sort of website where it just more or less lists all of our previous uh, episodes. And yeah, there's a, there's a new RSS feed on that website. So new people, if you're new to the podcast, you're probably using that new feed. Or if you've downloaded this some other weird way, um, the new feed is the one you want. Uh, you can look it up on the website if you need to know. <laughs> so yeah, that was interesting, wasn't it? People need to know these sorts of things. Um, the other thing that happened uh, is our old feed didn't have a logo or a, a cover cover photo. The new feed does, but it's just some random photo that I've been using on the Facebook page of some sun peeking out behind a planet or something with a star field. Um, I bet you that, that planet's Uranus. Probably, <laughs> probably is, Craig. Um, something, something Klingons around Uranus. 
<laughs> so the question is, and I'll check with you guys first to see what you think. Do we want to ask our loyal, lovely, attractive listeners if any of them have any graphic design or artistic talent if they want to send us a logo for free? Um, we don't have any sort of merch or anything that we can offer as a prize or payment. And I don't know about you guys, but I certainly can't afford to pay a graphic designer or an artist. So Will Wheaton would say, no, we shouldn't because artists deserve to be paid. Um, but there's a school of thought where maybe we're uh, not making any money off our podcast. And if somebody really does want to put the time in to send us a graphic or some graphics, um, then why should we stop them? What do you guys think? Indeed, or I could get my crayons out and do something myself. I, mean, that's it. I could just do something really basic with the word the cusp and a starfield background and take me about 10 minutes. And I thought maybe we could get something super nice and graphical and clever. And I don't know. Yeah, who knows? Well, if somebody wants to donate their time, then I think uh, they would receive our eternal gratitude. Yep. And if we ever do get any... And not much else. If we ever do get any sort of merch or opportunity to, I don't know, let them co-host or something. That could be a thing. Do people want to do right. that with us? Guest Rogue? Guest, um, sure. guest, what do we call ourselves? Guest Cusper? <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, anyway, so that's it. On. Woo Zealand. Craig, how is your electric car coming along? So the reason I mentioned this is because last month, I think it was last month, wasn't it? I was telling everybody about the the, the last episode. I was telling everybody about how there were um, issues with the uh, thirty kilowatt version, thirty kilowatt hour version of the Nissan Leaf, and um, and I was saying that uh, that my car was a twenty four kilowatt hour. You were being quite version. smug about it, weren't you? Well, it, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Possibly. Oh, I'm fine, says Craig. I don't have that one. Yeah. Anyway, it turns, <laughs> turns out, out does it, Craig? that I do oh, have a 30 really? kilowatt hour missing leaf. Wow. Yes. And the, the the way I managed to discover this was that I went along to um, an event, uh, which is the uh, New Zealand Electric Vehicle Road Trip, and I met up with some other uh, electric car owners and um, was saying that, that my car's really great, and I'm pleased with the sort of range we get out of it. And and said, and then one of these other owners said, "Well, that seems like you're getting a huge amount of range. That's that's much more than typical." And so anyway, they went and stuck their little probe into it. Um, there's a device that you can get which basically talks to the um, computer inside the car and gets all the stats out of it and everything. And and then you have an app on your phone. That tells you um, that shows you the stats, and so they said, "Well, actually, no, you've got a thirty kilowatt hour leaf, which is which is uh, really interesting um, for a couple. Of, well, it certainly explains the range that we were getting in that we can quite easily get um, sort of one hundred and sixty, one hundred and seventy k's out of it on a on a full charge, which is which is really good." Um, but then, obviously, there's a worry that uh, the, the battery is going to degrade quickly. So I actually bought myself one of these um, one of these devices that I can plug in so I can keep track of what the state of health is of the battery. 
Those devices are actually really cheap, actually. You can just buy yeah, them. Yeah, so $25. $25. Um, and you can them on Trade Me, I think, the last time I checked. The really good part of this is that um, I was kind of astounded to find out that we owned a 30 kilowatt hour version of the car because I was fairly certain at the time we bought it that it wasn't because the the deal that we bought it off, they're charging a premium for the 30 kilowatt hour version cars because at that time they were certainly per, perceived to be um, a better car because they gave you more range and everything and, and the, the, the problems with the batteries weren't, weren't known about at the time. And anyway, so I went and um, went into my filing cabinet and dug out the sale and purchase agreement and it's listed on the agreement as a 24 kilowatt hour car. So technically, you're in breach of contract then. <laughs> well, I don't know whether I am, well, I but suppose, the, the dealer certainly they are, is. Yes. They yeah, are, yes. So, so I mean, the, on the one hand, we paid a price that was certainly a big discount on what it would have cost us to to buy the thirty kilowatt yep. version. We probably we paid probably five or six thousand dollars less than that we would have paid for a, a thirty kilowatt hour version. Had the had the dealer known that, um, and uh, and so I, I at the moment I mean we're st- we're still getting a very good range out of it. Um, the state of health of the battery is down to around eighty nine percent, which I think is reasonable. I'm keeping an eye on things. Uh, we certainly still. But how long have you had it? We've had it about six months now, um, and. It was claimed when we bought it that the state of health was ninety-seven percent. Okay. So if you look at it, if you look at it that way, then it would seem that there has been a big decline. But the reading I have done it does seem like yeah. Quite a but lot, the, the reading it? that I have done seems to indicate that um, the 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 state of health numbers on dealers' yards are generally higher than they actually are. Um, right. they've, they've come off. They've come off the boat from Japan. They've done some charging with them, and and it, it seems that there's an effect of doing a fast charge on them can can temporarily increase the state of health reading for a while. And it also also depends upon the the temperature of the battery. So that in the summer, it's likely that you're going to get a higher percentage reading than you would in the winter. Um, right. So it, it could well be that some of the decline is actually due to the change of the season as well. Hmm. Um, right, you'd really so anyway. average over the year to get yeah, more accurate. So, so I'm keeping an eye on it, um, and I and I guess if things do turn really <laughs> bad, then at least I've got some comeback with the dealer saying, "Well, hey, <laughs> yeah, I want to return it. I didn't get money. what I didn't get what you claimed it was." Yeah. But that seems unlikely. I mean, we're still very, very pleased with it. We still get good range out of it. Um, and um, had we got the 24 kilowatt hour version, um, then we would not get anything like the, the range that we get out of it. We'd be down to sort of probably about 120 k's reasonable range, um, whereas we can easily get 160, 170 k's out of it. So that suits us well. And um, my attitude really is that we we're generally – what I do with buying cars is that I buy a car and then drive it well past its um, well past where I could get good money for reselling it. Um, so we would generally buy cars to drive them until they die and then buy another one. So on that basis, uh, if we can get good value out of it and we and the money that we're saving on uh, not having to buy petrol, 
and uh, not not having all the emissions, I think yeah. it's still a very good deal. So what you need to do is um, keep track of that of that decline and come back in six months or a year and tell us how what your projected lifespan of the car is. Based <laughs> yeah, on, on indeed. Um, yeah, it would be interesting. The, the the, the resale value really changes once they start losing bars on the display. Right. And so uh, from what I've read, the um, you don't lose a bar on the display until it gets down to 80% state of health. Um, so, I mean, it's still got a reasonable way to go yet before it gets down that low. Cool. Um, but even once it gets down that low, we'll probably still have 140, 150Ks of range on it. So... It's still a that's still pretty decent. Okay, so our next item is Brian Tarmaki and some sports ball rugby player or something. Earlier this month, a what is he? Someone tell me what he is. Was he rugby? He's a rugby union player. Rugby union, thank you. Called in, in Australia, Australia though, right? Yes. Oh, is he not a New Zealand guy? Well, he's is he Samoan? Yeah. yeah. But his wife is a is a um silver oh, okay. fin. Oh, I thought I thought he was playing in New Zealand. That, that's because it was all over the news, and everyone seems to know who that, he is. And everything. So his name is Israel Falou. Yes, Falou. Something like that. Falou. Is it Falou? I'd say Falou, but I don't know. Falou. That language. Yeah. Um, he uh, was in some sort of uh, Instagram conversation, and he basically came out with God's plan for homosexuals is hell unless they repent their sins. Uh, and that obviously went viral, it was in all the news. And the update on that is that Destiny Church self-proclaimed pastor Brian Tarmaki has come out in support of Israel Folau, uh, hitting, at, hitting out at crybaby gays and agreeing that the LGBTQ community could go to hell. The Bible says hell is a possibility for anyone who doesn't repent, he wrote on Twitter. Um, I don't know that we really need to talk about all the details about that. Is this Brian Tarmaki bringing Brian Tarmaki? Oh, apologies. He's uh, He was born in Australia to Tongan parents. Oh, so he's actually literally just an Australian oh, guy. Okay. So yep. completely different Pacific Island nation. Absolutely. Okay. Apologies. Yeah. Anyone got any comments about that? We... I mean, what part of, part of the thing? Yeah. It's been... Well... I mean, I mean, the guy is, is stupid for making those sorts of remarks to, to yes. begin with, really, isn't he? I mean, he may well have those private beliefs, but he should keep them to himself. Yeah, I mean, the reason there's been such an outcry is because, you know, he's seen as a real role model for people in sort of, uh, you know, Pacifica youths, I guess, um, who will already be having a difficult time with their sexuality if they're in, you know, very religious families and and. Yeah. sort of a common belief that's held. So for people to, for, for role models to step up and say these kinds of things is just really, I mean, it's really dangerous because people can get hurt by it, um, mm. not just by people's words, but, you know, by people's actions. And um, so there's been, it's been nice to see a couple of the All Blacks sort of step up and say, you know, this is really bad. Well, that's, um, we don't feel like this we shouldn't feel like this but part of the issue i think is that hasn't he just been signed for some other team somewhere oh i don't know yeah i i, <laughs> I think you're asking the wrong people <laughs> <Nathan>. <laughs> 
Um, I'm trying to find I'm trying to find some articles that tell me more about what's going on. But so no, I, I just I've sort of been vaguely noticing it out of the corner of my eye, and someone was saying that yes, he has actually been signed to some other new team somewhere else. Uh, which I can't find. I can't confirm. I think I think he claimed certainly... that he would be quite happy to 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 move teams if this was a problem for his comments being. Part but that's of the, not necessarily. In, but anyway, a, yeah, uh, a slap for him is it? He, there's no there's no there's no comeback. There's no punishment. I don't want to say punishment. Punishment is a bad word. But there should be and can be repercussions for the things that you say. Mm. In terms sure. of you not being welcome to play for certain clubs or, mm. you know, working for certain companies. Ah, geez, do I think that? Or is that a free speech issue now? <laughs> oh, no, I'm torn. I'm torn about it. What do you guys think? Let us know in the comments and we'll talk about it again Free speech later, is but... one thing, but essentially inciting... I mean, it's, it's yes. really... Da- it is dangerous. It, it has... It has... It, it is harmful speech. to people, so... Yep. Yeah, yeah, uh, and and I think traditionally a lot of um, families from Pacific Islands are actually quite conservative in their religious beliefs, and so it does make it very difficult for um, somebody who is uh, part of that LGBTQ community um, to to live with those sorts of um, mm. remarks coming from somebody who's a role model or a potential role model. I'm gonna finish off the segment with a quote from Hannah Tamaki, um, who tried to defend Brian's position by saying they have gay family and friends. They know we love them, they aren't Christian, and they never contact us complaining. (laughs) What does that mean? They actually love us. They actually love us, even though we live differently to them, and them us live your conviction. I don't actually know what she means by that. I'm not sure she knows what she means by that. Um, Brian Tarmacki, of course, if you haven't heard of him, is also... Oh, never mind. I'll just stop there, I think. He has had a taste of hell recently. Oh, yes, the burning. I forgot to mention What happened with the well. burning? Brian Tarmacki recently was involved in a literal garbage fire. He was... I'm not sure how seriously. He was burnt in a garbage fire. Like, was he in a bin or something? What's... Well, from, from what I heard, he, he was... Burning off some rubbish Ooh. and it got out of control and he got burnt. Oh my goodness. On his face. Second degree so, burns or something. None of us wish. So we shouldn't no, laugh about this. Well, none but... of us wish Brian any harm, of course. And we're trying not to laugh. But it is a little bit funny. It's the sort of thing if you believed in karma that you'd be saying, yeah. Or divine there it retribution. Is. That's it right there. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. All right. Moving anyway. on. We wish you well, Brian. Hope he gets better soon, and we hope he shuts the yep. fuck up a bit more. Delia's dubious device for today is a Himalayan salt crystal it is salt indeed. inhaler. Literally inhaling salt crystals, or it's that sounds dangerous. No, no, it's really good for mm. you. Um, what are the claims? Let's have a look. Helps with sinus ailments. Supports harmful organism cleansing may help reduce swelling and redness, detoxifies, detoxifies the air, may help lower blood pressure, right. aids in promoting sound sleep, may help produce, no, produce, <laughs> may help reduce mucus buildup. Um, there you go. Anyway, so yeah, I'm kind of mystified by this device. So it's um, 
it's a little pot, I guess, and you put yeah. uh, Himalayan salt crystals in it. I mean, at least it's cheap. It's only 30 bucks. Yeah. Um, and then the idea... This, what this it, is possibly the cheapest thing you've ever given <laughs> no, us. No. So how does it... <laughs> So you basically just by inhaling. Yeah, you're supposed to inhale through the mouthpiece um, and then... Is it got hot water in it or something? No, it doesn't appear to be. You just So you presumably just, just the, the, the air rushing past the salt somehow... Somehow apparently... Um, what is it? Okay, let me... I'll read it to you because it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> this is good. When you this inhale through the mouthpiece, the passing moisture absorbs micron particles of this incredibly pure bioenergetic and mineral-laden Himalayan pink salt that penetrates and cleanses the entire respiratory system, including the sinuses, the nasal cavities, the throat, and the lungs. And it, they then say, or basically flush impurities, um, ease breathing difficulties, allergies, cold and flu symptoms, blah, 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 blah. Help with snoring. Yay. Um, and then... Inhale normally through the mouth, Peter, and exhale through your, your nose. nose. And, and you have to do it breathing. for 15 to 25 minutes a day. And uh, and it comes with the salt. Yay. Yeah, free salt. I like that. It's quite good. So, so you can put it on your food if it doesn't do any of these other ones. <laughs> yeah. So I'm... They should have a built-in salt grinder <laughs> in the bottom, you see. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you breathe and crunch salt onto your food. <laughs> you may experience coughing and sneezing as the body rids itself of yeah. phlegm and mucus. Yeah. So, so this would be, certainly be a candidate for an ASA complaint because they're actually making claims, claims there, saying mm. eases breathing difficulties, mm. allergies, cold and flu symptoms. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. They don't have any evidence for we that. Should part- well, so I've been trying to look for evidence, and um, it's very hard. <laughs> uh, so I went to PubMed um well, it's kind of tricky because there are there, so it all depends on the search terms that you use. Um, I did find like two thousand papers that related to inhalation therapy, but that's of course because there are real things that are inhalation therapies. Um, yeah. I found so it seems that it might be called halo therapy in the um, thing, and I found one review of it. Uh, so they were looking at it for chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. And what this it, this review is, is a meta-analysis. So they basically went and they did all the searching for me. Um, and what they found was basically one trial. And they've said, so no, okay. <laughs> you can't make any conclusions <laughs> about this at all. Um, and And then I did find, what is the other one? I found another paper, which might be where some of these ideas, so... We often find this, that a lot of pseudoscientific bullshit kind of comes because it's almost taking an idea that is used in medicine and then just, you know, like uh, messing with it. Um, And so I did Mm. find a clinical trial um, where it was the effects of inhaled hypertonic saline, so it's basically salty water, on um, lung function in children with cystic fibrosis. And so basically they were – so it's – carried out over 32 weeks so like more than half a year and it looked like um that this this treatment does have an impact for these children with cystic fibrosis but they're not breathing in (laughs) like they're not breathing over some salt right there's a there is an actual thing that's being done to these children um they're on a special machine they're breathing in this uh you know this (laughs) this stuff that's essentially been turned into kind of I guess into a sort of gassy thing. Yes, um, but I bet you that machine costs a lot more than twenty nine dollars well, ninety. Precisely, <laughs> and it's not just a little thing cup with salt in it. So, 
it, yeah, but so I think maybe this is where it's come from, that there are some treatments uh, and then this is just the, <laughs> the you know, the scammers going, yay, we can, we can, we can make one of those. <laughs> Although they yes. often don't do it very cheaply. So I guess, you know, well, that's kind of interesting. There you go. Yes. Mm, cool. Scam. So I don't know if I'm going to leave this in or not, but I want all of our listeners to check the phone or whatever you're using to listen to the podcast and have a look at approximately how long this episode is. And I want to emphasize just how much we do not plan out our episodes, what we're going to say and how long we're going to spend because we are almost bang on for this episode is going to be, guess how long you guys well, I'm looking at the clock so I can see it. It's yeah. an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah, but we're still going to get through the word of the day and the quote. But then I'm going to edit a whole bunch of stuff out and it's going to oh, come okay. down to All an right. hour and 20 minutes. Okay. Every goddamn episode, without fail, without trying. It's like a goddamn superpower. <laughs> Speaking of superpowers. Maybe, maybe the universe is uh, talking to us. Maybe it's the universe. So there's your word of the day, guys. Ichthyocoprolite. Oh, well, this okay. sounds like an animal of so some this sort. Is a, uh, so this is the coprolite is the the poos, the um, fossilized poos of um, of an ichthyosaur, uh, which is a <laughs> um, which is a dinosaur-like creature that swam in the sea, something like that. I think. Wow. There you go, Susie. Do you have any ideas? You can say the same I'm thing just if you want. Blown away by Craig's explanation. Um, no, I got nothing. I got nothing. No idea about any of those words or parts of. No. No. Oh, I'm surprised. It's something not very heavy. Uh I sort of light poos, light dinosaurs poos. I don't know. I sort of threw that one as a bit of a softball. There, I thought you'd both get that. No. So, oh, so that suggests that Craig hasn't got it either. The answer is, and I'm only going to give you half a mark for this because it's fossilized fish poop. Ah. Oh. Uh, well, I did say. You said a dinosaur. It's not a dinosaur. He did say a dinosaur. That's well, right. I did, I did say a, a swimming, a swimming oh. thingy oh. in the Wait. sea. Those are not fish. That's mm. very good. Right. He did better than usual, so well done. That's not saying much. Yeah, no, well done. Well done, everybody, on that one. Well, not me at all. I was trying to include (laughs) you, Susie, in the success. It's fine. I no, I don't need to be made to be to feel better. I'm fine, thank you. Craig, give us the quote. (laughs) Maybe don't tell us who it is. Okay, so 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 uh, yeah, in the um, prelude to the quote. Um, so there was a, uh, a woman by the name of Tania Lynham who spoke at the 2016 Skeptics Conference in Wanaka, and she was a, a science teacher, and um, sadly she passed away um, uh, recently. Um, I'm told that she had uh, problems with her liver. She had had a liver transplant, and she was onto her second liver transplant and, um, and failed, and she died. So yes, it's very sad. Um, she was a science teacher um, in Invercargill, I think. Also, um, a winner. She yeah, winner of the twenty fifteen 
prime minister's science teacher's award. So, yes, she was. um, So, that's a very sad loss. And so, today's quote is from her. From her, yes. And so, uh, she said, There is so much material out there that looks real but isn't, especially on the internet. Part of my focus is on giving young people the tools they need to assess and analyze the wealth of scientific claims that are made to legitimize beliefs and products. It's so easy to be ripped off. I don't see how anyone can survive in the 21st century without some degree of scientific literacy. Tani Adlinum. Good quote. Good quote. Good person. Yes. All right. And you've been listening to the Completely Unnecessary Skeptical Podcast. If you'd like to send us feedback or suggestions, check out our website. Or Or a logo. Yeah, or a logo. (laughs) Uh Or a crayon drawing. Or a crayon drawing. (laughs) Or, you know, money or presents or whatever. We don't need money. I need money. <laughs> Check out our Facebook page or the contact us form on our website, thecusp.org.nz. So I've got my next news item up on News Hub, but it's jumping to a, news, a new article every five minutes or something. I've got the Destiny Church okay. Brian Tamaki bullshit up. <laughs> Maybe we should just leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> it's Brian Tamaki and it's bullshit. <laughs> just <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I switched across to it, and it was on YouTubers caught hosting graphic bestiology images or something. What? It changed. the The article changed. Okay. Yeah, it's fine. Well, what? Well, okay. So I've clicked on the link, and it's taken me to the the article you're talking yeah. about. If so. you just leave it there for a while, it'll it'll switch you. Off.